We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, we, we sent the Brewers off to San Diego asking for a split of a four-game series. And lo and behold, we got a three out of four games series win for yours and ours, Milwaukee Brewers. But before we go any further into the ins and outs of each game, Adam... How's it going, man? How you doing? Going great, Andrew. Going really, really great. That sounds sarcastic when I added really, really, but I, I mean it. Um, the Brewers seen some adversity. Uh, the injury bug is hitting them, which we would like it just to not, but it has been. And yet, in spite of that, they keep finding ways to win. They're, uh, I would say, incredibly lovable at the moment. Very easy to root for. And yeah, just very, very excited with how they started this season and how they've brought that with them to San Diego. I mean, the thing at this point, we've seen some pretty good teams um, go up against the Brewers. This has not been a cakewalk schedule to start the year by any means. I mean, the Brewers, they're not the Tampa Bay Rays, like beating up on nobodies and calling a history. So I'm excited. 
Yeah, I was coming into this episode thinking I was going to have to apologize to the Rays because, you know, they, they have their 13-0 start. They're off to, you know, a uh, historic start in terms of the numbers. And then they play their first real opponent of the season, and they lose two out of three. And uh, the Brewers are playing and beating good teams. Uh, the Mets, the Cardinals, and now the Padres are on that list. Um, the Brewers are 11-5 and five after taking Oops, three above out of four. 500, Andrew. Are the the Cubs are above five hundred? Yeah, perfect. Then then even more. They haven't. Uh, Diamondbacks they haven't, nine uh, and seven. They they have the only team. So, um, so arguably the worst opponent they've played of the eight and nine San Diego Padres. It's the seven and nine Cardinals. So but they're oh the only. Gosh, I forgot about them. I forgot about the they're Pirates the only two teams. Lord's work. Yeah, the only two teams. So yeah, Brewers are good. Yeah, the Mets are up 2-0 on the Oakland Athletics as we record right now. So the, the Brewers playing real teams and, for the most part, beating real teams, 11-5. and five. Before we get into this series, um, we we do have to take it back a little bit and talk about some things that are less uh, fun to talk about, and that's, uh, I guess, some more news that's come out of Brandon Woodruff's injury after an MRI was taken in Arizona on Wednesday. Uh that MRI revealed that Woodruff has a subscapular strain in his right shoulder, an injury that will take him beyond the 15-day IL uh, spell that we thought he was going to go on. Um, Craig Council said no throwing until we get back home, so for the rest of this road trip, Brandon Woodruff will be uh, shut down. said they'll have doctors re-examine him after that point. I guess depending on... Um, who you listen to determines your level of optimism about how long this injury will keep Woodruff out. The optimistic view and like the, the one thing we can cling to to be happy about is that this is an injury that will not require surgery, but especially with where they are early in the season, it makes sense that they would be as cautious as possible with Woodruff it's a mild grade two strain, they say, um, but it's it's significant enough that he's going to miss considerable time. And uh, I guess beyond that, it's uncertain and, until we get back from him being shut down and doctors reexamine him and determine a timeline for him being able to throw. But again, it speaks to the reason why the Brewers were very adamant that improving starting pitching depth up and down the organization was a priority for the offseason. We've already seen Jansen Dunk junk. Well, we've already seen Colin Ray, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, yeah, so a, a mixed bag of updates about Brandon Woodruff, but I guess the, the real answer is, is we won't be seeing him for some time. Yeah, first arm injury of Woody's professional career, which is honestly... Um, Pretty good going for for a starting pitcher, um, and I I've found it really interesting. I mean, everyone can go and check out all the Brewers beat uh, writers had it on Saturday. They had the various availabilities. Where first I get Craig Council talking about it and kind of giving the details you laid out. And I I watched Craig Council and I ultimately felt pretty optimistic because he was pointing to well one the obvious big plus is this is not something that will require surgery. But it just seemed to feel like, yeah, he was like, you know, kind of, it'll be longer than we had expected when it was thought it might be a couple of starts, but it's still sooner rather than later we'll see him. 
And a few minutes later, Woody gave his own availability um, and in a very kind of chipper demeanor, like he's he's not down by any means. He was very much invested in being around his teammates and all the good things that are going on with the Brewers. Um, so I add that because I don't feel like this is just a guy who's really upset to be injured at this point and maybe being a little bit more pessimistic than needs be. But some of the phrasing that he was using, he was kind of dropping out middle of the season. And, you know, I'm I'm glad this happened now because if it had happened at that point, well, my season would be over. And whether the Brewers are downplaying this a little bit in what they're sharing publicly or I think what could be possible too. I mean, Brandon Woodruff is rapidly approaching a point of his career where his career defining contract is going to be on the horizon and maybe he is going to be inclined to take a little bit more care with that so that when he comes back he's at his very best and he can help the Brewers win as many games as possible so I I think there's kind of a lot of interesting stuff to parse through and it might be weeks or months before we really get a clearer picture on that the good news if we can call it that is no surgery required um but We'd certainly love to see Woody back as soon as possible. I just, I wonder what his appetite for that will be and what the Brewers will. And another factor this might be, well, if you get a guy like Colin Ray and he comes out again, he's another good start, another good start. Or if Wade Miley keeps pitching like this, like if you could find ways to survive, well, I think all Brewers fans would agree. Yeah, give Woody all the time needed to make sure he's absolutely right when he gets back. But just at this moment of the season, um, with Hauser not quite back yet, although getting very close, with Aaron Ashby having already had surgery and set to miss the majority of the season, not ideal. Not ideal by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, we'll have to see exactly how it plays out. A few other matters of help to discuss before we recap the series uh gus varland um is headed to the 15-day il after a scary moment in i believe saturday's game Uh, manny machado hit a line drive in the eighth inning that went off of varland's pitching hand before striking him on the chin and then his i guess arm or it sounds like we're talking about oliver stone's jfk here trying to figure out all of the ways in which this baseball hit him uh, the ball would then ricochet to Willie Adamas, who made the play and threw out Machado. Uh, scary moment. Obviously, if that ball hits Varland in the face, that's something that you don't want to happen. I guess he was knocked to the ground by the impact and then got to his feet and then was still shaken by the moment. Trainers came out and he was uh, removed to the from the game. Uh, x-rays on his pitching hand were negative, but uh, they're going to send him to the IL with a right-hand contusion. Uh, Manny Machado, uh, who, you know, we've hated on in the discord and, uh, elsewhere during playbacks, uh, for things he's done to various baseball players and various baseball organizations throughout the years did offer his, as Todd Rosiak described it, a mea culpa and offered to send Gus Farland some wine. Gus has elected Merlot as his wine of choice. So hopefully as he's on the IL, um, taking it easy, he can uh, pour a nice glass of wine and, and just relax as he gets back to his full health. This is one I did not see in person. Um, I should say Elvis Paguero has been called up uh, to take his place in the bullpen while he's on the IL. 
not one I saw in person, one I saw after the fact, but definitely a scary moment and uh, glad to see at the very least it wasn't something that is going to be uh, like worse than a hand contusion for Gus because uh, baseballs get hit very hard at him. And if they hit you in the wrong spot, that's a, a very scary situation. Very simple. You could have been dead, honestly. Um, very, very scary situation. I would imagine that contusion is probably a colossal welt on his hand right now because the speed that that hit him with. This is, we talk about like what's best case scenario not being good still. This is a true best case scenario. And I think it's a relief for everyone that, yeah, I'm sure the hand is going to be pretty sore for quite some time. Um, but this could have been catastrophic because that was really, really a hard hit ball by Manny Machado as well. And it couldn't have been just more arrowed at, like the fact that it, he got his hand up that high and it hit him on the jaw after that, like catch that straight there, you're in big trouble. So it, it was even, I mean, you talked about him going down and getting back up and going down again. It, it struck me as one of those classic situations where it's like he went into shock immediately where he, he was up and he's like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And all of his teammates, everyone was like, no, no, you're not fine. Just, let's chill out here for a second. Um, So this is a great outcome. And Gus has been very good to start the season. Look forward to seeing him back. But uh, yeah, thankfully, he got his hand in the way of that one. And uh, I think there's no more evidence than as... Gus being that dude and that he in the aftermath talking to reporters was like, yeah, I was upset at the location of my slider lesson learned. Don't hang sliders. <laughs> so <laughs> in the in the aftermath of being like, oh, this is a potential, uh, you know, serious situation. No, I'm just upset that uh, my pitch location uh, wasn't exactly where I want it to be. And uh, yeah, that based on, all the things with that we've seen from Gus in his short time with the Brewers, he seems like that kind of guy that's very much focused on his craft, and and we're glad that it's not something more serious uh, than it looked in real time. The last injury we can have to speak about um, is Jesse Winker. Winker obviously had missed some time uh, due to bronchitis before returning to the lineup on Saturday. He was scratched from today's lineup uh, due to right oblique tightness. Winker's been a positive uh, impact player in the Brewers lineup to start the season. The power hasn't quite come yet. He hasn't hit a homer yet, but he does have three doubles, 300 batting average, 389 OBP, and a 400 slug. Uh, has seemed to come up clutch with big hits um, during his early Brewers tenure, and we hope this isn't something that keeps I've him got, out of action for a long I've time. i got an update. got an update. For oh. Um, so just as you're speaking, Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, was tweeted, Jesse Winker believes his oblique soreness was more related to all the coughing from his case of bronchitis and not baseball movement. He's hoping to be back by Tuesday at the latest. All right, there we go. No additional updates. Thank you, Todd Rosiak, for quelling my concerns. And you know what? For giving us a timely, the rarest of things in podcasting, the update that comes in right on time as opposed to, you know, just when you finish recording or something. I think it's going to take quite a lot to keep Jesse Winker from playing in Seattle. That's another factor in this. That That is a very good point. We've got a Jesse Winker revenge series coming down the line. Uh, shall we get to recapping four games as quickly as we can, Adam? 
Let's do it. All right. So the Milwaukee Brewers play the San Diego Padres for four games in San Diego, Petco Park. Obviously, because of the Brandon Woodruff injury that has led to some shakeups within the Milwaukee Brewers uh, starting rotation. Uh, Jansen Junk got the start for Woodruff earlier in the week. Eric Lauer pushed back a day in San Diego, which meant there was an open spot in the rotation. Uh, Jansen Junk sit down to Nashville and, and Colin Ray was called up to um, get the start on Friday. Colin Ray, a guy who made his major league debut for the San Diego Padres in 2015, pitched parts of seasons in 2015 and 2016 in San Diego and then in Miami, uh, was with the Cubs for a brief spell during the 2020 season. Pitched for Milwaukee, I think it might have been it was on the last day of the season or one of the last days of the season in 2021. Didn't pitch in the big leagues last year. And then is called up to start a game for the Milwaukee Brewers against the Padres, a team that spent a lot of money in the offseason that has one of the most terrifying lineups in baseball right now. And this guy came into the rotation and rose to the occasion. Uh, the Brewers get the start or scoring started off in the first inning with Christian Yelich on base. Rowdy Telez hits a homer to make it. 2-1 Brewers. Um, Manny Machado, the aforementioned Manny Machado, he of the line drives and winds ending, uh, hits a homer in the first inning off of Colin Ray to make it 2-1 Brewers. Uh, and then just scoreless baseball from Colin Ray. Five and two-thirds innings pitched, two hits, one run on the Machado homer, one walk, six strikeouts. Mike Brasso homers in the fifth to make it 3-1. That would be the score when Colin Ray leaves the game, but just a, a journeyman pitcher who has spent most of his career in not Major League Baseball, uh, has had intermittent spells with Major League teams and comes out and absolutely shoves against one of the best lineups in the league. Just could not be more impressed with Colin Ray's performance. Absolutely, and it's kind of right up there as good as those kind of stories get. I mean, all series I've been looking at the... It's not even the top of the order with the Padres. Like, it's two-thirds, if not even more, of their lineup. And... you just can't help but be like, yeah, this is a scary proposition. If you're a pitcher, like, at what point do you get your respite as you work your way through that lineup? And we did a podcast where I think we made multiple pretty solid educated guesses of things the Brewers could do, and we did not mention Colin Ray. And that is a part of this I love, too, because, I I mean, we talk about the, the steps the Brewers took in the offseason to address their starting pitching and to be prepared for the kind of disaster scenarios that, frankly, we've seen very recently. But Colin Ray would not have been top of that list, and this is one of these where it's pure circumstance on every front. It's like, who's pitched when? And yeah, I guess this is the guy. He started the season well. It's your turn, Colin. And for him to have waited that long to get his shot in the majors again... And this to be something that is really quite different to his past outings. Um, sold out Peco Park, which, by the way, tennis is in San Diego Padres games. Pretty incredible. I believe I saw it was like 170,000 for the four games uh, combined. But to go in on the road against a killer lineup and to pitch like he did, truly, truly amazing stuff. Um, really fun story. And... You know, fun story one week, but it's turned into a real opportunity for him. Like, that's the other side of this, too. If you can, if you could do that again and do it again and do it again, if Woody's out for a while, 
this could turn out to something that it was pure chance that he he got a shot and he could grab it with two hands and it could change the trajectory of I guess what are the closer to the latter years of his career. So that's really something fun to keep an eye out for too. Goes without saying that us um as Brewers fans, we are very much rooting for him. But I, I think that's a really great story and I hope we could see him string a few more starts, if not quite at this level, because this is really, really high level stuff. Like if he's a guy who can regularly give them five innings with two to three runs, good for him and good for the Brewers because they need some guys who can just be steady enough to give them chances now if Woody is going to miss quite a bit of time. Yeah, and we'll get to this later, but it, it seems like uh, in Tuesday in Seattle, he'll have another start. And if he does, you know, half as well, or not half as well. We'll go. We'll go seventy five percent as well as he did in this start. And you, you see a situation where he he goes five innings, keeps the Brewers in the game. You'll take that and, and run with it. But a great performance by him against San Diego. Peter Strzelecki would follow him with one and a thirds innings pitched, allowed two hits, struck out one, uh, no runs allowed. And then where this game would get away from the Brewers is in the eighth inning. Uh, Matt Bush on to pitch, as we mentioned on the last episode, his fastball velocity, his average forcing fastball velocity has been uh, a little down and uh, it was down again. And he was really relying on the curveball, it seemed like. And when his curveball is working, it's nasty and keeps it below the zone and it can really be a weapon for him. But uh, he gets uh, Hassan Kim to ground out to start the inning, uh, strikes out Rugnet or Odor uh, following that. And then walks Matt Carpenter and former Brewer Trent Grissom sends a curveball that was hung over the middle of the plate into the right field stands to make it 3-3. Uh, Bush follows that up with striking out Manny Machado. I think this was the only work Bush got in the series against the team that drafted him as a shortstop, if I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, but yeah, the eighth inning really goes awry uh, for the Brewers there after some nice work from Colin Ray. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or if you want me to, to transition to a happier times, Adam, let me know. No, not really a whole lot, but just you know, Matt Bush remains an experience. I mean, I'd do better pitchers on this roster who uh, we trust more, but it really is a case of Matt Bush comes in and you're going you're gonna to see him come out with three Ks after 10 pitches or he is going to destroy the previous seven innings of good work. Um, we'll get to an interesting decision council made later in the, the series later. And I, I wonder what way things are trending on Matt Bush generally, or at least on what kind of spots the Brewers are going to choose to put him in. But there's nothing entirely surprising about this. I guess that's what's key about it. And, with that, you've got to take that information in and decide, okay, well, are we going to adjust to that or how should we adjust to that if you are the Brewers? Yeah, uh, and I think we saw a little bit of that today and some decision-making late in the game, uh, in game four, which is something we'll get to later. Uh, Devin Williams uh, pitches a scoreless ninth inning with no hits, no runs, no walks, three strikeouts. Uh and then that would take us to extra innings with the ghost runner on second base, as we know. Rowdy Telez would give the Brewers a lead uh, with a sacrifice fly that he put a good charge into. I thought that was uh, going to be at least off the wall. It was not, nevertheless, 4-3 Brewers after the top of the 10th inning. And then Yoel Piamps 
uh, fires a scoreless 10th inning. Uh, we had what Kurt Hogue will, uh, has deemed the Willie Adamas special, which is runner on second base to start the inning, ground ball to shortstop. Willie Adamas throws him out at third base, which I think is now the third time he has done that uh, with these. Uh, I won't call them new anymore, but uh, extra inning rules. Uh, a big play to cut down the lead runner there, and Piamps uh, would eventually get out of the inning and give the Brewers a four to three win in the first game of the series. And Colin Ray, the hero of the day, I think it's safe to say, um, for all the other contributions and and things of that nature in this game, it was uh, it Colin Ray's story today. And I think one thing that you noted to me privately, and I think this game is a good place to start with good things happening for the Brewers in this series. Two runs in the first. Give the ball to Colin Ray with a two-run lead. That's a good idea. And I think that's something we're seeing them do quite a lot of with a slightly lesser crew of pitchers right now than we may otherwise be accustomed to. And you know what? Increases your chances of yielding positive results. Give these guys a chance. Um, I think it's a feature, certainly, of what is looking like a really sleek offense that the Brewers have, just getting on base regularly with ease even against good pitching and we talked about it i mean i guess from the first episode of the season it's like okay you've got that in the mix you've got speed on the base paths you've got the ability to steal bases and it was just going to be a matter of time before the likes of willie or rowdy really start to pop with the power and give you that element too and rowdy delivered here and it wouldn't be the last time in the series and just generally in that ballpark in particular Brewers hit the heck out of the ball in this series. Like, really, really had a lot of hard-hit balls that in some other places we're, we're looking at some some very lopsided numbers going up in some of these innings, which is encouraging. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, 
rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And that's a great transition point, Adam, because the the best inning of this series for the Brewers offensively may have been the first inning in game two with Eric Lauer on the mound against Michael Waka. Uh, Christian Yelich leads off the game with a double. Willie Adamas scores him with a double of his own to right field. Uh, Brian Anderson follows that with a double to score Adamas. 2-0 Brewers in the first. Luke Voigt singles to score Brian Anderson. 3-0 Brewers in the first. Mike Brasso follows that with a double to score Luke Voigt. It is 4-0 Brewers uh, after the top of the first inning, staking Eric Lauer to a 4-0 lead. Lauer obviously struggled in his last uh, outing before this, so it's nice to give him some comfort and a cushion. And he would take it and run with it. Um, Lauer, his, again, we'll talk about this again, his velocity wasn't what it normally is on his four-seam fastball, but he was finding a way to get people out. Um, his cutter seemed to be working particularly well. Um, six innings pitch, five hits, just the one run. It was earned two walks, two strikeouts. Uh, the run was on a solo home run that would come in the fifth inning. Campusano uh, would hit that home run before Campusano did that in the fifth. A Christian Yelich homer in the second made it. Five nothing Brewers. Rowdy Teles homer in the fifth. Six nothing Brewers. Luke Boyd single in the fifth. Seven nothing Brewers before the Campusano homer makes it. Seven one Brewers in the fifth inning. What do you think about Eric Lauer? I thought he was kind of fighting his stuff a little bit, but uh, gutting through it in a way that. I think was was definitely more encouraging than the last outing. Sign of a professional pitcher, right? It's what we wanted to see. I think we talked after his last start, or certainly in the preview of this series at the end of the last podcast. You want to see him bounce back. Um, what exactly that would be? I mean, there was probably room for us to be forgiving on some elements, but after a pretty terrible outing last time come out, you still don't have your stuff, but get it done. And I, he really found something with the cutter. He was having a lot of success. So to see him get up kind of mid-90s um, with the pitch count, um, to just work his way through the game, um, get out of there with five strikeouts without his best stuff, without that zoom ball zooming, I think is a good sign. So hopefully... And, and I mean, there were also some trends of it kind of ticking up. And even actually the deeper he went into the game, too, it wasn't necessarily as precipitous, the fall off that it might have been. So hopefully that's something that we can see work itself out. Um, But good seeing him without his best stuff put together a very, very good start. In the sixth inning, Rowdy Tellez homers to make it 10-1 Brewers. Uh, Brian Anderson adds to the lead with an RBI ground out in the eighth inning. Uh, the Padres would get one more in the eighth off a Rugned Odor single. Uh, following Lauer was Bryce Wilson, who continues to do his job in long relief. Uh, three innings pitch, four hits, did allow the run on the Odor single, no walks, two strikeouts. Uh, Wilson's now thrown nine innings as a Brewer, has only allowed the one run, so a 1.00 ERA. And the Brewers take home an 11-2 to win. Uh, 
a very easy win, one that wasn't stressful because they got on top in that first inning and Lauer took them the rest of the way. Yeah, and any any occasion to see the offense really get hot like that is always one to be celebrated. And I think particularly you look at the guys who it was, I mean, yeah, there's some players in there who've had very steady seasons so far, but there have been some ups and downs, Rowdy most notably. Um, it didn't honestly feel as close as it obviously was for Rowdy, this kind of breakout, this returning to the kind of form that he showed last season, but he worked it out and he hit some absolute bombs against the Padres. And we love to see it. Uh, the one blemish on the report card for this series came in game three on Saturday. This is one that Adam saw a lot of and I saw very little of. Um, so I'll be relying on him uh, to, to kind of fill in the uh, the ins and outs of how it felt to go through this process. Um, it started off great uh, with uh, a runner on base. Christian Yelich led off the game with a walk. Jesse Winker doubles to right field to make it one nothing Brewers in the first. Brian Anderson follows that with a single to right field a few batters later to score Jesse Winker, and the Brewers are up 2-0 uh, after the top of the first inning. Freddy Peralta on the mound. Seemed like his velocity was trending very high, up to 98 miles per hour, which is a trend that has uh, carried over um, se- several games to start of the season, or I guess three games to start of the season for Freddy Peralta. In the first, though, uh, with runners on and two outs, Nelson Cruz singles to score Juan Soto. Jake Cronenworth follows that with a single to make it 2-2 after the first inning. Uh, Kind of an interesting stat line for Freddie Peralta. Uh, I guess from your perspective, obviously he was looking good with his velocity. What do you think went wrong early with Freddie that kind of got him on that first start that or or off that to that tough start, um, especially early in this game? Well, it's kind of simple. His whole game is just he was getting killed with two outs, killed with two outs. Um, all of the Padres RBI hits that him in the game came with two outs. And that included the first homer he's given up with the season, Jay Cronenworth. I think his stuff looked pretty good. You mentioned the velocity. That continued right the way through the game. He was really, really throwing heat. Um, he was working very hard and very engaged in the way that, you know, we all have come to expect from Freddie and love from Freddie. And to see him, one, trying as hard as he is, but also going deep into the pitch count. 98 feels like the the highest you've seen Freddie go for quite some time. So I guess the thing about this is he looks really healthy. Honestly, part of my takeaway on this, and I think I, I mentioned it to you in the updates at the time, this felt like the game in the series, and I guess it's going to happen at least once in a series against a team like the Padres, where just a lot of the talents that they have at their disposal kind of shown true. And you're like, yeah, you know, these guys are good. Um, Freddie has pitched better, but I certainly don't think it was disastrous by any means. Just had trouble getting that final out on a few occasions. And every time he opened the door there, the Padres walked right on through it. Thank you for that, Adam. Uh, For saving me, as we mentioned last episode, I need to switch and figure out who... Uh, I need to go to for box scores because ESPN was just playing an ad right in my ears as I was trying to say what happened in the first inning. So thank you for rescuing me from that situation. Uh, In the second inning, uh, Manny Machado singles to left field to score Trent Grissom makes it 3-2 Padres. Uh, Jesse Winker in the fourth, uh, as we mentioned, uh, obviously his 
his oblique is not feeling so great after all the coughing from the bronchitis, gets hit by a pitch, scores Victor Caratini to make it 3-3 after four innings. In the fifth, off of Freddie Peralta, Jake Cronenworth hits a home run to score himself and Nelson Cruz to make it 5-3 Padres. In the seventh, Nelson Cruz hits a sacrifice fly to score Juan Soto, makes it 6-3. In the seventh, Jake Cronenworth hits another homer to score himself and Xander Bogarts, makes it 8-3 Padres. In the ninth, a Nelson Cruz walk scores Azucar to make it 9-3 Padres. And then, once again, Jake Cronenworth provides an RVI, this time via a walk, 10-3 Padres, which would be the final score. So, Freddie Peralta goes five innings pitch, nine hits, five runs, all earn a walk, five strikeouts. Uh, Yoel Piamps fires a scoreless inning, creating a little drama with a hit and a walk before getting out of it. Uh, Hobie Milner, first real adversity of the season for him. Uh, pitches in inning, two hits, three runs. They're all earned a walk and a home run allowed there. Uh, Gus Farland, as we mentioned at the top of this podcast, throws two-thirds of an inning, no hits, uh, a run that was not earned, no walks, uh, and no strikeouts. Uh, got hit by that comeback line drive from Manny Machado. Uh, a tough inning also from Javi Garrett cleaning up after Farland. Uh, one run, it was earned three walks as we mentioned with some of the pitchers in this bullpen it's going to be can they command uh the baseball and avoid picking up walks and on this day that was not true for Javi Guerra at the tail end of a 10-3 Padres win anything else to add about this game before we go to the series finale Adam no just tough to see Hobie get lit up like that um he put himself in the position that he usually comes in and saves someone else from and you know who saves Hobie? This is the question, Andrew. And we didn't get an answer to that because Hobie was asked to save Hobie. It didn't work out. I hope he shakes that off pretty quickly and gets back to his best because early this season, also last season, just one of the very best relief pitchers the Brewers have doing crucial work anytime he gets into the game. So not fun to see something like that happen to him. And hopefully it's just a blip on the radar. These things are always in play and again sometimes you play a team with a lineup like this and they get it going and you got to tip your hat and i do feel like there was a bit of that today because it wasn't even like you look at the across the course of the series like they did the damage on this occasion against some of the brewers better pitchers yeah just uh one of those things if you had gone into a series saying uh freddie peralta is going to have the worst starting pitching performance in a series that includes Colin Ray, Eric Lauer, and Wade Miley, you'd say, well, that's weird. Did we win the other three games? And if the answer was yes, you'd say, all right, I'll take that to the bank and I'll cash <laughs> it. Uh, so that's indeed what would happen. Final game of the series, game four on Sunday, Wade Miley versus you Darvish. Uh, not a lot of offense to speak of in, in this game, Adam. Uh, and that ended up being a good thing. Wade Miley has been so good as a Milwaukee Brewer the second time around. He goes seven innings in this game, four hits, no runs, no walks, eight strikeouts, just 89 pitches against a lineup that is very, very scary. And to date, through three starts uh, as a Milwaukee Brewer again, Wade Miley has been better than we ever could have expected. I mean, he's thrown, what is it now, 18 innings, and allowed 
just three earned runs, all three coming in his second start against the Diamondbacks, which was still a, a good five-inning start for Miley. Um, I didn't get to watch much of this one. I was catching up via the condensed game, but it looked like Miley was uh, missing bats in a way that I didn't quite expect, but also just inducing contact to get himself out of innings quickly. And if there was traffic on the base pass, he pitched his way out of it and managed to go toe-to-toe with you, Darvish, and even better him (laughs) to the extent of run prevention because obviously the Brewers won this game one nothing. Just could not be more impressed with the first three starts from Wade Miley. He's giving you exactly what you asked for when you signed him in the offseason. Yeah, this was incredible. This was so much fun to watch. Yu Darvish comes out in the first, mows down the top of the Brewers order, three strikeouts, I believe it was 10 pitches. And it just, it very quickly feels like, uh-oh, this is this is bad news. This could be a long day. Wade Miley saw a little bit of trouble. I think there were runners at the corners in the first, works the way out of it. And just continued to do that all game long, more and more efficiently. I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. I feel people know, I'm sure a lot of people are catching up with the events of this game um, by our commentary on it, because... They're focusing in on another Milwaukee sports team as the Bucks get their their playoff campaign underway on Sunday, coinciding in part with this Brewers game, um, coinciding also with this podcast. I'm trying to keep my reactions muted, but I've been multitasking. I was on the playback while watching the Brewers in the playback comments, I should say. Um, I'm not that good at multitasking. Been watching the Bucks while recording this podcast, and one of the things I was trying to do earlier. With very little success within our our own GSPN group chat was to get people to care that Wade Miley was like pitching out of his mind. Wasn't getting any bites. Everyone was focused on Lakers Grizzlies, Andrew. I'm gonna out them. Uh Austin Reeves. Come on, it's about Wade Miley around these parts. He was absolutely incredible. Just could not be more impressed. And the fact that we've already seen him have a start kind of of this caliber against going up against Max Scherzer to lead the Brewers to a win. Then he goes up against you Darvish and he leads the Brewers to a win beyond beyond what our wildest uh, dreams would have been for what he was going to add this year, but increasingly crucial. And if he can be that level reliable, I'm not looking for him to go seven innings scoreless with zero walks because that might get him in the mix for uh, Cy Young. Uh, But if he can do the kind of things he's been doing, it's going to be a colossal win for the Brewers. And honestly, the kind of pickup that goes from, oh, nice move to something that could be legitimately a game changer in their season and could put them into a different level of being able to compete. Because this is an example of a guy who just, he's going to win you baseball games. If you've got any kind of offense and it wasn't easy today, you're going up against a great pitcher who had a lot of his best stuff. 12 strikeouts for you, Darvish, and he comes out of there with a loss. Gotta love that from Wade Miley. Yeah, uh, outstanding performance. Like, honestly, I I can't believe that anyone would be focused on Austin Reeves uh, when this is going on. It just, you know, I I feel bamboozled and hoodwinked and uh, just let down by the rest of our uh, GSP. Our guy Numak was not biting. I hope he's listening. I, he's, I, need him I was to, like Wade Miley come on I need him to listen he's a baseball guy through and through in his heart <laughs> so it, it it's very 
very disappointing that you and I are the only people that were really excited by Wade Miley. Um, on the subject, on the subject of our friend Numak, who listeners will possibly know, or listeners at least who've been in our playback rooms watching Brewers games live with us, Numak loves bunts. I do not like bunts. Do you want me to talk through the run scored here? Because this is a yes, not not quite unique, but very close to. This is only the second instance where this has happened in Major League Baseball. So. The Brewers' run came from Garrett Mitchell being terrifyingly fast. That may not seem all that surprising. He opted to bunt. Hugh Darvish was just dialed in. Let's break things up a little bit and let's just let's test this out. Solid bunt. I wouldn't say absolutely perfect. Good bunt. Um, Manny Machado over scoop it up just as quickly as you'd expect. But Garrett Mitchell is already nearly at first, so... Machado just absolutely blitzes the throw true Jeff Cronenworth at first base. Mitchell gets on first. Mitchell steals second. I think I have the order right now. Then we see you Darvish check on him. Then you Darvish gets warned for stepping off. And then when he goes and tries to, or probably, I can't even, yeah, no, that's right, that's right. He's on second, he goes to try and throw out again, and it's his third disengagement, and it automatically advances the runners. I've probably got this wrong, because I think this is from first to second for Mitchell. You're probably looking now at the play by playing Italian. I think that's how he got from first to second, and he stole third. Um... This is the second instance of this happening um, where it just gets deemed a bulk if you've got three disengagements, which him stepping off plus trying to throw out twice led to that. Pretty weird um, set of circumstances, but ultimately it ends up with Garrett Mitchell just between his lightning speed, getting him onto first after his bunt, a steal. It gives Brian Anderson a chance to... Uh, hit a sack fly and, and get Garrett Mitchell home for a run, which at that point, I mean, it's early in the game. It's the second inning. It's like, okay, nice to get the scoreboard going. But as it would turn out, even more significant than that. Uh, speed kills, Adam. Speed kills and speed thrills. And Garrett Mitchell being fast and Brian Anderson hitting a sacrifice fly would be the only run in this baseball game. As we and said, also just worth noting in the series, and it's something I was talked about a lot, the Padres cannot stop guys from stealing bases. It's been a complete disaster. They've got like 28 stolen bases against them so far this season or something wild like that. They just cannot stop stolen bases. So the Brewers young guys had some fun with that. And um, Bryce got one as well later in this game. But Nice to see just what Garrett Mitchell can give you and just how easily it can turn into a game-winning score. Uh, Yeah. Peter Strzelecki file, uh follows Wade Miley, throws a scoreless inning, and then we get to the the ninth inning after Josh Hader kept uh, the Brewers from adding any insurance runs in the top of the ninth inning. Devin Williams comes on to pitch in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, inning starts with a walk to Juan Soto. He follows that with a strikeout of Nelson Cruz. Follows that by striking out Jake Cronenworth swinging. Hassan Kim singles to left. 
Uh, he walks Austin Nola, the catcher who had uh, a difficult time throwing out uh, runners with you uh, Darvish's uh, slow to the plate um, pitching. Uh, and then with the bases loaded and that one run lead, Devin Williams gets out of the inning uh, somehow by striking out uh, former Brewer Trent Grissom. So he's not able to do what he did uh, in the first game of this series, which is breathe new life in the Padres instead strikes out, gives the Brewers a win and gives them a three out of four series win against the Padres. We asked for a split and uh, instead we got three out of four, which is more than we could have asked for. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it uh, heading into a series against, uh, the Seattle Mariners, who were, were struggling going into this weekend, I don't know if they're still struggling. We'll get that. We'll get to that at uh, as we look ahead to to the next series, the rest of this week, as we finish off this ten game road trip. But I, I think uh, we're we're running out of nice things to say about the Brewers uh, because they just keep winning. But uh, right now, we're kind of thrilled with how things are going. The Mariners have won four straight. Okay, so after you know they were. What, they were five and eight going into this weekend, or whatever it was. And four now, four now and eight. They're now they're now five hundred right now. So they're they're on a tear. Uh, but you know what? To, to just be another best, good team. To, just another good yeah. team for the Brewers to take down. Yeah, exactly. We're we're not worried about it at all. Um, and they won't look like a good team after it. This is the thing. Even the good teams, teams that have to play the Brewers, there are greater chance of being below five hundred right now. Yeah, the 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 lone series winner against the Milwaukee Brewers this year, the Arizona Diamondbacks, Adams Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, we'll see what Snake Timber has in store for us later this year. Shall we move on to the Master Brewer leaderboard, Adam? Let's. All right. Recording a pair of beers is Wade Miley, obviously. Seven innings pitch, no walks, four hits, no runs. Um, two beers for Wade Miley. Roddy Tellez gets two beers, seven for 16, two walks, three runs, seven RBI. Uh, Colin Ray gets a beer, five and two-thirds innings pitched, one walk, two hits, a run, six strikeouts. Eric Lauer gets a beer, six innings pitched, two walks, five hits, one run, five strikeouts. Devin Williams, two innings pitched, two walks, one hit, six strikeouts. Peter Strzelecki, two and a third innings pitched, no walks, uh, one strikeout. Bryce Wilson, three innings pitched, no walks, four hits, a run, two strikeouts. Victor Caratini goes four for four in the only game in which he appeared, uh, scored a run, and also snagged a bunt directly out of the air to record an out, uh, which was beautiful to see. And Luke Voigt, four for nine, a run, two RBI. Um, that is your Master Brewer leaderboard update for this series. The leaderboard through 16 games played. Garrett Mitchell has five. Peter Strzelecki, Bryce Wilson, Brian Anderson have four. Wade Miley, Devin Williams, Bryce Durang, Willie Adamas, William Contreras have three. Rowdy Tellez, Joey Weimer, Jesse Winker, Freddie Peralta, Hobie Milner, Christian Yelich, Brandon Woodruff, Gus Farland, Corbin Burns, Javi Guerra have two. Victor Caratini, Colin Ray, Luke Voigt, Mike Brasso, and Yoel Piamps have one beer to their name. Adam, shall we look ahead to the week that is against the red-hot Seattle Mariners? Let's do it. All right, on the docket for yours and mine, my, mine, mine, I don't know. Milwaukee Brewers, uh, at 840 Central start. I can hear my wife yelling at my dog behind my head here, um, so that distracted me for I a can, moment. I can't hear it. It's okay. That means if I can't uh, hear it, no one else can hear it. Perfect. Uh, Corbin Burns versus Chris Flexen, 840 Central start. 
uh, in Seattle. And then on Tuesday, April 18th, Colin Ray returns to the mound against Logan Gilbert, another 840 Central start. And then another afternoon um, getaway day game, Eric Lauer on the mound against Marco Gonzalez, 310 Central start. Off day on Thursday, April 20th, and then uh, a homestand begins. Three against the Red Sox, three against the Tigers, three against the Angels. So uh, a much-needed return to home. Not that the performance would dictate that, but just like who doesn't like to sleep on their in their own bed, Adam? Uh, the Brewers are 11-5, and five, uh, looking great to start the season. The class of the NL Central so far, one of the best teams in the National League to start the season. It's pretty much the Brewers and the Braves right now at the top of the best record uh race i mean i mean it's uh tampa atlanta and milwaukee right now it's the games with three best records in baseball happy with the start obviously it's a long season but uh they keep on rolling from here let's go get this series let's uh, i mean you don't have to get this series but come home with a winning record and the road trip um <laughs> with injuries becoming a factor too and having started so well at home that will set them up really, really nicely. As we said, not necessarily immediately, but some some more favorable series are coming up on the horizon. That they are, Adam. Anything else uh, in Brewer's Land you want to talk about? I think that does it. If you want to make sure you never miss an episode, just stay on top of all things Milwaukee Brewers. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That's cruising for a bruising. You can also find us on Repod. Join Repod.com forward slash cruising for a bruising. Repod is an app where you can listen to all of your favorite podcasts, including the rest of the GSPN shows. You know, Eurostep Podcast Network for all things books. Talk of the Tundra for all things Packers. Captured on celluloid for all things movies and pop culture. All in the mix on Repod. And more specifically, you can go to the Cruising for a Bruising Room. You've got thoughts on the Brewers, thoughts on any given episode. You can drop them in there and we'll we keep a close eye. We'll go back and forth with you. If you want to talk Brewers, you can also join the Discord, gspn.info. I'll give you the link there. Lots of Brewers fans and us frequently chatted up on all things Brewers. You can also talk books, Packers, whatever your heart desires, pretty much, in the GSPN Discord. I, I might... Uh, maybe I'm opening it up to things, actually. Blame someone else if it gets really bad. Um, until next time. Thanks again, Holly, for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam.